today I want to focus on one of my favorite stories in Acts. And so let's jump in and read Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. <coughs> Pardon me. I like reading the story all the way through so you can get the full benefits of the story. Today, what I really want to do, though, is I'm going to unpack it verse by verse, okay? So let's look at it verse by verse. Now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, <coughs> the ninth hour. We wrapped up last week talking about the four pillars of the church. The fourth pillar that we talked about was prayer. How important it is <coughs> to have regular times of prayer. And I ask you, as we concluded last week, if uh, this week you would try to designate two times a day to pray, maybe one in the morning, one in the evening, and just stop for a little bit and spend that time in prayer. I'm going to challenge you to continue trying to put forth an effort to do that once in the morning, once in the evening, over these next few weeks. Now, I know we're going into the Christmas holidays. I know schedules get turned around and are different and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you may be days when you get busy and you forget about it. You may have just too much on your... I listen, there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ. But you know, if you put forth the effort and you try, I believe that you will reap wonderful things in the months to come by trying to get this regiment in your life of breaking in the morning, breaking in the afternoon or evening, and spending a little time in prayer. How many of you would stop and be honest and say, you know, he's worth it. And I can only benefit from it. <laughs> so, uh, let's try. The first church, you'll see this in your notes, had designated times of prayer. The last church will do the same. Uh, there's a term you may hear me use over the next little bit called the last church. I, you know, just like there was a first church and it, and it kicked off the things that God wanted to do. I, I believe there is going to be a last church. There's going to be the, the body of Christ that will be the last, the last place of Christ's work on this earth before the return of Jesus Christ. I call it the last church. I think we live in the possibility of being that last church, the body of Christ right now. 
Uh, I, I touched on this last week. I reiterate, the church was birthed in a prayer meeting. That's where it began as they prayed together. And now what we see is that they are sustaining the activity of the work of God, the Holy Spirit moving constantly in their midst. And how are they sustaining that? By times of prayer. They are committed to times of prayer. That's an example we need to follow. All right. Next verse. It says, And a, and a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they lay daily at the gate, of the temple that is called Beautiful Gate to ask alms of those entering into the temple. This lame man has been placed at this gate for a long time. Day after day, they would bring him there. They'd place him there and he would ask for alms. So you think about that for a moment. All probability says that he was at this gate sometimes during when Jesus was going in and out of the temple. You ever thought about it that way? If he'd been there for years, he had to have been there when Jesus was going in and out. So, did Jesus just pass by him and do nothing? Did maybe Jesus not really notice him because there was always crowds around him? Or maybe, you know, maybe the disciples would always be like a little huddle around him going in and out of the temple because they knew what happened in the temple. You know, in the temples where Jesus took on the Pharisees on several occasions, uh, that's where, you know, he would do a healing or a miracle or whatever. And boys stir everything up. And so maybe, you know, the guy was there, but it's sort of like a blur because uh, there was so much commotion and whatever going on. Maybe Jesus just liked the other gates. There are a few other gates. He just never came in from that direction. You know, how many of you have a door you always come in? Maybe, maybe that's it. But I want to challenge you to consider, consider two things. The first one is this, and you'll see it in your notes. What Jesus did while on the earth was subject to what the Father wanted him to do. We know from John 5 that, that even though he had unlimited power, his power was subject to the timing and the will of God. He did what he was supposed to do. He spoke what he was supposed to speak. He was, he was basically being guided and, and, and led along exactly in, in alignment with God wanted him to do then and there. We should not think that God doesn't want to heal just because he doesn't heal this moment or on this occasion. Obviously, this guy was there when Jesus was going in and out of the temple, but it wasn't his time. God didn't do it while he was on the earth. And the second thing I want you to consider is this. Jesus left, <clears throat> excuse me, a larger number of miracles on the table for us to do than what he did. Think about it. He did a lot. But he left more for us to do. John 14, 12, a familiar verse. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. That's a good question to ask ourselves. Are we doing the works that he did? And they will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So besides Jesus coming to the earth to be our redeemer, 
we need to also understand that the, those years we call his ministry years, those ministry years were there, lived out and recorded in the scriptures to show us how to do ministry at his level during our time. His level of ministry at our time. He literally expected. He, he believed that when those who came along behind him would do miracles, that they too would lay hands on the sick, that they too would cast out demons, that they too would, would see the miraculous power in their time in life. He fully expected that of the church. And the early church in Acts obviously believed it and saw it too. The question is, is do we believe it? <clears throat> I, I strongly believe that the apostles, when they looked at situations that they found themselves in Acts, that one of the first things that they probably were thinking, and it became a, a, a little saying year, a few years back, that WWJD, right? I think there's on many occasions when they found themselves in the heat of ministry that the, their thoughts was, what would Jesus do at this particular moment in this situation? And I think this is one of those moments right here when he looks at this lame man and there is this spiritual nudge inside of him that, you know what, Jesus would heal this guy. I think that's what we need to begin to ask ourselves when we see and find ourselves in places where there is a need to stop and just, instead of, you know, blowing by and thinking, well, you know, I don't know that I could handle that. Why can't you? You're a believer. These signs will follow those who believe. And it's not that you believe that you are capable, but you believe that he is everything that he said he is. And he said he's the healer. He said he's the one that does the miraculous. All right, so seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, for the lame man, this is just another ordinary day in which everybody's going to walk by. He's going to sort of hold out his hand or whatever and ask for alms. And the thing about alms is really it's sort of a unique kind of terminology. We don't use it really that, that way anymore. But... It's money in your hands, but when it goes into his hands, it's alms. It's designated for the poor. And so he looks up there and, and, you know, he's like, do you have any alms? Do you have anything that you could give to help me? And Peter directed his gaze at him. So he's got Peter's attention. And now Peter really wants to get his attention as anyway, so it says, so Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and he said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Boy, was he in for a surprise. I'm thinking he was looking like you got maybe a dollar or two you could spare. And instead, he's about to get far more than that. Now, why do you think? Peter instructed him the way that he did. Look at us. Now, you, you know I do that a lot. Uh, there's a, uh, many times in a message I'll say, look, look at me. There's nothing to write down. Look at me. And the reason why I do it is because I really want to make sure that you're focusing for the next thing you're about to hear. And I think at this particular moment right there, Peter literally had this, this, this nudge in the Holy Spirit that this was his moment. 
And he, and he really wanted him to look beyond, okay, can you give me a little bit of money that'll get me from here till tomorrow? He really wanted him to look because he was about to receive what, what, what we like to call the true riches. The things that are far better than anything that we can get in this life from one another. I want to stop for a moment right there. He looked at them, and I, I, I'm quite confident after years of being there begging at that gate that his expectations were just a little money, maybe something to buy his lunch. And I think it's very easy for us that, that we have that same type of mentality even today where we, we look at it, but we don't really see what, what God's wanting to do. You, you, you could be in this room, you know, and it's, it's Christmas, it's December and, and whatever. And you may be looking and you may be saying, boy, I, you know, we, right now we've had a lot of expenses and different things. And whew, we could really use a financial, some financial pick-me-upper here. And you may be looking at that and letting it discourage you a little bit. When the reality of it is, is maybe you just need to see that God likes it when we need him to miraculously provide. He loves to be our provider. Maybe you didn't mismanage anything. Maybe it's just been a stretching time and, and he wants you to see, hey, 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 you've been working and taking care of everything. Look to me. I have got you. Maybe, maybe you work with somebody that's difficult. Maybe you got, what God wants you to see is that that's a hurting person that you need to invest some time in. Oh, but he's such a pain in my rear end. You know what? He might become your very best brother in Christ. He just needs your time and friendship. Maybe you're looking at a mountain, and man, you're just, you, you, you're discouraged. You're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get over this. And what God's wanting you to see is that he doesn't have mountains too big to be moved. We tend to sometimes always just, okay, God, I just, I just, you know, I just need your, your little blessing. And God's like, yeah, but I, I can blow your socks off if you let me. If you just look a little deeper, I will show you more than you ever imagined. I'm going to encourage you to remember this. I, every time I look at the news or anything, it, I, I'm like, man, this country is just going down the toilet. But you know what I, I'm praying that God continually does is, is that I don't see a, a, a country going south. As much as I see a field that's white under harvest. And that in the midst of what sometimes looks like absurdity. That God is a God of hope. And there's people looking for that. It's time for us to focus on what God is ready to do. Not just what we've seen him do in the past. He's ready to do the miraculous. 
Everybody just stop and think about it. God is ready to do some miraculous things. He's not diminished in power. We've just gotten maybe small in our expectations. We need to believe. We need to believe. Anyway, it goes on, it says, But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Uh, my roommate for a couple of years in college, his name was Harold. And uh, I will never forget one day, I looked over and Harold had my drink and he was drinking it. And his was over there. And I looked at him and I said, Harold, I said, <laughs> I said dude, you're drinking my drink. You're going to catch my sore throat. And I will never forget, he looked at me and he goes, well, here, you can drink after me and catch my healthy throat. Now, I am not sure it works like that. But why do we think that way? Why do we think that the, 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 the sick will triumph over the healthy instead of the healthy over the sick? Here's what I do know. <clears throat> we do give what we have. We can only give what we have. We can only give what we have. I love the words of Jesus in John 14, 27. He says, my peace I give to you. And you know why he could do that? Because that's what he had. He had perfect peace. He could give it to you. <clears throat> what we have is what we can give. So, everybody, here we go. You ready? Look at me. What do you have? What is it you have? Think about it. Like God speaking to Moses. What is that in your hand? What is it that you have a firm hold of? This I know. <laughs> this, this I know. <clears throat> Is it peace? Do you have peace? Give it away. Joy? <clears throat> Excuse me. Give it away. Guess what happens when you give joy away? You don't run out. You don't, uh, now I'm miserable. I gave away my joy. That doesn't work like that. You get more. Give it away. What do you got? You got faith? You got hope? Now, if you don't have these things, you can't give them. And, and what's sad is the church is, has not really had these things <clears throat> strongly in their own life. And so you know what we do when we don't have them? We talk about them. When you quit talking, you start giving. If you got it, give it away. Give it away. If you don't have it, ask the Lord to help you. Lord, give me joy. So much joy that I am, I am able to just give it to the people that I am around. Give me peace. 
I don't care what's going on, how crazy it gets, or give me peace so that when those people around me are frantic and their life is falling apart, I can give them peace because I got it to give. <clears throat> if you don't have it, ask for it and then hang around people that do have it because they can give it to you. They can encourage you in it. Everybody, I want you to hear this. Peter had two good legs. He had faith in Jesus Christ. And he had the work of the Holy Spirit going on in his life. And he looked at this guy and it clicked. You know what? I don't have a lot of money, but I will give you what I do have. And he gave him what he had. He gave him what he had. And it turned out to be far better than anything that guy could ever have expected to receive. If you have the word of God in you, you have wisdom. Give it to somebody. Well, I, I wait for people to ask. You know what? Just go ahead and be bold. Speak life into them from the word of God. You've got <clears throat> some accumulated prayer time. You spend time in prayer at home. You know what? Give that prayer away when you go someplace. Next time somebody looks at you and starts talking about a hard thing that's going on in their life, instead of, instead of thinking, well, you know what? Yeah, yeah, we'll, well, we'll keep you in prayer. You know what? If you've got some accumulated prayer time, just get them by the hands and go, you know what? We're going to pray right now for the Lord to do something. They may get shocked. But then they just may get a miracle. Because you have it. You're going to give it. Give it away. Give it away. <clears throat> How many of you have been healed? How many of you have divinely been touched by God before? Okay. Folks, I have been touched on so many occasions. If you know what it is to feel the presence of God as he ministers inside of your body. Give it away. Pray with the confidence. You know what? I remember when the Lord touched me and healed me and ministered to me. And I'm just going to pray that he'll, he'll do that right now in you. We can only give what we have. And what's so sad right this moment is we're, there's so many Christians are running around thinking they don't really have that much to give. You do. You have a belief in Jesus Christ as Lord, that he is the hope of the, of the world. He is the peace that passes all understanding. <clears throat> Give it away. And I, please don't take this to be prideful or cocky, but I, I'm going to give you something. I give you my passion that Jesus Christ is again filling his church with his glorious presence in a way that makes us just almost, we, we can't hardly come in here that we don't just want to kneel in front of him. I give to you this yearning in my heart for truth, for relevance, to live a life that means something at this moment. And I give to you an absolute confidence that I have in Jesus' name that he wants us to do more now than we've ever done. Amen. Amen. I pray you can receive that.
Because God wants to, that's what God wants to do. And it's not ours to hoard up, it's ours to just give out. Praise the Lord. All right, moving on. Peter knew what was flowing in him by the Holy Spirit. So here's what he does. He looks at me and goes, he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. I love this. I can't imagine how many times you and I would have stopped shy of this. Because we're thinking to ourselves, well, what if I take him by the hands and I, and I start lifting him up and he just falls over? What if nothing happens? <laughs> I mean, I, I believe, I believe Jesus can, but is he right here, right this moment? I mean, you know, come on, get up. I'll be looking over at John going, I saw that differently in my head. Hey, guys, the next thing that we need to do is give God a chance. If you pray the prayer, follow it up with something. Oh, but I'll be so embarrassed. You know what? It's not on you. It's on God. God's big enough to take care of himself. The problem is, is where is the people that say, you know what? God is ready to be seen. He is ready to be glorified. He's ready to be honored. And if I don't step out with a little bit of faith and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. And we just believe God's going to touch you. I'm going to, I'm going to ask the Lord to financially do something miraculous in your life. And then I'm going to be asking you in the next few days, what did he do? Because I just believe it's going to happen. Folks, he won't fail us. He won't fail us. Peter reached out, took him by the hand and said, you know what? Up we go. And up he went. And I want to give you something that I believe by the Spirit of the Lord, I sense in the Holy Spirit. It's basically this. When we get this sense of urgency that we need to start being the hands of the Lord, we get this sense of urgency, God is going to start doing more things immediately. You see, most of the time we pray now for healing with the expectation that you'll get better. We pray for the mountain to move with the expectation that it's going to start over the next few weeks or months, that mountain's going to be gone. We are underestimating that the God who did immediate, miraculous, boom, things right then is the same God that today can make a mountain go from there into the sea. The God that can make ankle bones that have never had strength and have never held up a body to start working. And this guy not only 
walking, but leaping and jumping and praising God all excited. We've got to give him an opportunity by putting our faith into motion. <clears throat> so, let's revisit some here. Maybe you have asked the Lord to touch your body, to heal you of something, and you have asked him, and you have asked him, and so far it's not happened. Folks, that does not mean it won't. That does not mean you should just settle in. This lame guy was lame for a long time, but his day showed up. And there was a person in faith who prayed and believed. You need to be that person of faith to pray and believe and, and expect that today it will be different. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing's been changing. Well, you know what? They went around that wall. Next day, go around that wall. But there is a time when you are, should shout, declare the word of the Lord and watch that wall fall down. We just, we... We just want to keep going around that wall. Well, I guess I'll just keep going. I'll just keep praying about this until Jesus comes and I get my new body and it'll be all better. No, at some point, maybe you need to stop and, and say, you know what, God? You really are a God of the miraculous. I'm going to start praying for miracles. Can I get an Amen. You are a God that does miracles. I'm going to start praying for miracles. I'm not just going to say, okay, Lord, touch them and make them feel better over the next two weeks while their medicine's working. Lord, move the mountain as they financially get back on their feet and get going and they start paying off their bills and the mountain dissipates. No, no. How, the miraculous. The miraculous. Here's a possibility. You ready? It is easy for any of us to settle in to just a lame life where we have very few expectations of God anymore. Anybody in this room can settle into a lame life and you just live day to day with no great expectations. You have a bigger God than that. And that might have been okay in the past, but today is the day when if we open our eyes, we can say, you know what? His lame life came to an end and the miraculous began to happen. I want my lame life to come to an end. I want the miraculous to come back into my life. I want to live out my faith that God is a miraculous God. <clears throat> all right you do that and this next verse might be you and leaping up he stood and he began to walk and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God <laughs> he went from lame to walking you can go from discouragement and depression 
to freedom and joy. But that's not the way we think. You can go from under this pressure and this bondage to a freedom and liberty in God where you feel like you are walking off of the ground. You're so excited about God. God can turn a situation around like this. And just because he didn't then doesn't mean he won't today. Just because this didn't happen when Jesus was walking by and he's like, isn't that the guy that heals the lame? How come he never stops by my gate? Doesn't mean that now's not your time. Folks, that's good news. I can't, ex- I can't explain why in the past. I can only encourage you today. Today. He's the God that has the ability to look at you and your situation and go, you know what? It's time to rise up because today's your day. Believe for it. Walking and leaping. That was pretty that was pretty awesome. But you know what really the good part is? Is because God never never doubted that was gonna happen. The good part is that He is praising God. He is praising God. He is not looking at Peter and going, Ooh, can I be your disciple? You got some kind of real power of God in you, and I just want to follow you. No. He is all focused on God. He, he, he won't let go of Peter. But he's praising God. One of the things that I love about the early church is that they really did, and you'll see it in the next part, they really did give all the honor and the glory to God. They did not steal any glory and thunder at all. He's praising God. Peter will turn around and respond to it. Don't look at us like we did anything. This this is Jesus. And he's praising God. And he's giving glory to God. And and, and I just want to say this real quickly. I want Sinner Bethel to be the best church. Not so we can get an award as if there's some kind of award given to churches for being the best church in the county. I want Center Bethel to be the best church at having an atmosphere where lost and hungry people find what they're looking for. The best church where those who come in here get something so real that they go out there and can't help but talk about it and share it because it's changing their life. We come in here and God works so mightily among us. And those that we bring, God does something mighty in them when they come. But then with all is filling us in such a way that whenever we go out, We have that word for the lost. We have that encouragement to the hopeless. It's just there. All right. Last part. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. There's two little things right there. They saw and recognized 
Folks, when God is working, people pay attention to it. They notice it. Because when light begins to break into their dark worlds, they're going to see it. We have a community. I believe, I believe there are many in this community. They are looking for something. And they'll recognize Jesus when they see him. They'll recognize hope and love when they see it. <clears throat> Whether it was God in the Old Testament providing for the Israelites and all of the other countries hearing about it, whether it's Jesus in the countryside ministering and doing miracles on the mountainside and, and everybody hearing about it and flocking around him, or whether it's right this moment when God begins to do the miraculous in our midst and shows himself to be a great and glorious God, people will hear if God's moving. When God is in the house, it will get around. Um, God wants to show himself to be alive and real. This generation needs that. He wants to bring hope to those who are looking for something. Who's going to be the cat cat catalyst to make that begin to happen? Here's what I know. Whatever God is doing internally shows up on the outward. If God is working in your heart, it's going to start showing up in your life. If God's working in this church, it's going to start showing up in this community. If God is doing something on a individual basis, it begins to have an impact upon a collective basis. So let me close with the last two part, last two words, wonder and amazement. They saw and recognized and what did it do? It filled them with wonder and amazement. My heart yearns that a lost generation would begin to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's got to be something to Jesus because I just see him changing people's lives everywhere I look. We, whether we do it intentionally or not, I think we have gravitated to the, this whatever ideal that what Jesus did and what the early church did is not something that we really are going to see. And I say that's not correct. We don't see it because we don't believe for it. We don't see it because we don't have an expectation of it. But Jesus was very clear that these signs would follow those who believe. He didn't say apostles. These will be the signs of the disciples. These will be the signs of the early church committed Christians. He said these will be the signs of those who believe. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the same 
today and forever. Do you believe that he could still use you and me like he used anybody in the early church? Do you believe? Because if you believe, according to Mark, then, then demons will take alert because you're, in, you're, you're ready to pray and say, be gone in the name of Jesus. You will pray in other languages. You will be divinely protected against anything the enemy might be trying to do. And then, of course, the last one is what? You will pray over the sick and they will be healed. That did not stop. That did not die. We just tabled it because we've been afraid. And I say it's time to take the lame by the hand and say, you know what? I don't have anything to give you, but I have confidence that Jesus has got plenty. So won't you just rise up and see the miraculous power of God? Would you stand with me? Let's just pray. Father, I don't know why I sometimes feel like I need to create the ability to excuse that you don't do. When all I really need to do is just pray and believe that you manifest what your promises entail. Help us, Lord. The first step is ours, and that is a step of boldness, whereby we say, you know what? It's what you say in your word, and I am going to put it to work. And then, Lord, you will be glorified. You are a big God. You can hold this on your shoulders. I do not need to make an excuse. I just need to have faith that your word is your will. And I pray that you help me. I pray that you help me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Encourage somebody.